Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Gaslit. I'm one of your hosts, Shay, and today we are talking to some wonderful folks from Austin Women's Health Center, which is one of Lilith's fun largest supporters, and we're joined by two of their staff members, Julie Smith and Gabby Rodriguez, and I have the pleasure of introducing them. So Gabby Rodriguez is a native Austinite. She graduated in 2016 from Texas A&M University and joined Austin Women's Health Center as a center assistant and patient advocate. At Austin Women's Health Center, she found a community of amazing individuals who inspired her to fight for reproductive health care and women's rights. Today, after seven years and countless challenges, she continues that fight for her community, striving each day to provide compassionate care and a safe space for Texas women to make well-formed decisions about their life. Hi, Gabby. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, and we are also joined by Julie Smith. Julie Smith is a native Texan, and she graduated from the University of Texas in 2004 with a degree in government. She began working at Austin Women's Health Center in 2005 and immediately found her passion for supporting people and making decisions regarding their reproductive lives. She spent the past 18 years as a clinic manager of Austin Women's Health Center. After the Supreme Court's decision triggered Texas abortion ban, Julie and many of her colleagues were laid off to ensure the clinic's survival. She currently serves as a part-time consultant to Austin Women's Health Center while also lending her expertise as a board member for Bookside Health Initiatives, a nonprofit organization committed to supporting continued access to comprehensive reproductive health care to underserved communities in Central Texas. Wow, thank you so much for being here, Julie. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so um, for folks who don't know about Austin Women's Health Center, can you just tell us a little bit about the clinic? Yeah, sure. I'll take that one. Um, <clears throat> so it's hard to talk about the history of the clinic without talking about our founder, um, who's Dr. Lyndall Davis. He launched his medical practice in 1976. It was called Brookside Women's Medical Center, which is currently one of our names. We're also known as Austin Women's Health Center, um, which I apologize can be confusing, but they do just represent the same entity or two sides of the same coin. Um, he's always championed like a holistic and patient-centered care, um, which was a groundbreaking approach in 1976 when most doctors were just telling you what to do. Um, his commitment to this approach has led him to being the first physician in Austin and sometimes in the U.S. to, one, allow fathers in the OR during a cesarean section, um, the first to assist with an elective vaginal birth after cesarean or VBAC, the first to deliver a baby at a birth center and one of the first to offer artificial insemination to single women and provide individual counseling before abortions. Um, these pioneering efforts have defined our holistic health care model. Abortion eventually became a large part of the practice because of the scarcity of clinics in the state, and it's why, what we're most known for, but our services have always encompassed the entire spectrum of reproductive care. In the past two decades, we have weathered many storms, including a bombing attempt, numerous regulatory burdens, a pandemic, SB8, and now a total ban on abortion. Um, but despite this incredibly hostile climate, we have no intention of going anywhere. Oh my gosh, that yes. is so much stuff. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you, like, 
Oh, I'm just like, yeah, that's a lot of things to have to go through. Um, but mm -hmm. I do love that you started us off on a, a happy note with all the initiatives taken by that provider who got y'all started and loved hearing about the history. I know you mentioned some of the challenges, including a bomb threat, which is absolutely wild. But I'm hoping you can talk a little bit about what's going on for y'all recently, like what's happened since the fall of Roe and some of these other bans that Texans have to put up with, like SB8 that prevents them from accessing abortion care. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, the last two and a half years have been insane. Um, it's really hard to even talk about it because like to anybody that's not in this movement it, like makes no sense whatsoever but um you know sba at this point feels like the calm before the storm and that was a huge challenge but we were able to continue seeing patients almost at the same level that we were prior um which we felt at the time was a, a big accomplishment um but then obviously we were hit with the complete ban on abortion here in Texas. And, you know, that's been the most significant change is just not providing that care anymore. We used to help thousands of patients a year um, make those life-changing decisions. Um, now that it's no longer an option, for me, it feels like, you know, a bird with clipped wings, like we are just not able to do what we were meant to do. Um, this losing that ability feels like losing a big part of who we are. Um, I'm sure that you, you guys can relate that it's been a real challenge to find a sense of purpose in our work. Um, gynecological care, miscarriage is really important and essential, but it's just a piece of the puzzle. We're missing a big piece by not being able to provide the abortion care. So now what we're doing is we're focusing on providing knowledge and resources and comfort and support to our patients. We want them to have a supportive oasis in this abortion desert that we're in now here in Texas. And so that's what we've been doing. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Gabby, because she's actually on the ground at the clinic every day helping people. Um, yeah, like you said, you know, we still want to people to make sure or for people to know that there's still, you know, support here. Um, you know, we still care very much about helping women in, in our community. Um, and, you know, we still offer comprehensive gynecological um, services, um, birth control, so contraception, um, miscarriage follow-up, abortion follow-up. Um, that is a big part of, um, you know, what we enjoy doing, just being able to provide support for women that are having to still make those hard decisions. But, you know, it's just a lot more scary now um, to have to, you know, go through that process. Uh, we also are doing, um, you know, pregnancy testing, dating, um, and yeah, like, you know, like I said, I just, you know, want patients to know that we're still here. We haven't gone away. You know, I feel like after everything happened, um, I feel like one of our fears is people thinking that we're completely gone, but we do have patients that still come. You're like, oh my God, you're still there. Okay, good. Um, and yeah, we're, we're still here providing services um, and just offering whatever service patients um, need um, to be able to make, you know, good informed decisions about their life. Um, and yeah, just, you know, offer some comfort, compassionate care here at Austin Women's Health Center. So yeah, don't, don't forget about us. 
<laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I know that we send a lot of vouchers y'all's way, especially for pre, um, for folks who want to get their pregnancy dated before they get an abortion and after mm-hmm. for that follow-up care and so many other things like IUDs, wellness exams, all of that. So it is really yeah. essential that y'all are there and keeping folks away from CPCs, crisis pregnancy since. Ooh, crisis pregnancy centers, which are often predatory in their tactics of how they approach pregnant folks seeking care, and they lie to them, traumatize them, shame them, and honestly just harass them. And so I'm so grateful that we have pro-abortion clinics, even in as we find ourselves, like you mentioned, Julie, in an abortion desert because folks can't access care, but doesn't mean that they can't access support, and y'all are doing that and offering so many other types of health care that are still so vital. And we, I mentioned CPCs in they get so much funding from the state. And I know that y'all just had a big campaign around funding that was featured in Austin, Austin Statement, Austin Chronicle, and just they just covered your fight to stay open. So I was hoping you could share more about that with us. Yeah, so that all started, um, you know, kind of like a Hail Mary, like, let's, let's start a <laughs> fundraiser. We are not fundraising experts here. Uh, we just kind of figured it out as we went along. And um, so we actually launched it in April and then we relaunched it um, in June or yeah, or maybe it was July. I can't remember, but um, you know, we reached out to some different local media organizations and they just, you know, had, there was so much interest in, in helping us get the word out about our fundraiser. It was really um it was really amazing. The love and support we got from the media and the public, you know, really reminded us how important our work is and why this clinic matters in the community. And it was like a big boost of energy, right? Right when we needed it most. Um, so yeah, we are so grateful for everybody who donated. We got several large donations that we weren't expecting and it's made a huge difference in the outlook for our clinic. I'm so glad that y'all had media support and also community support. I know from Lilith's fund perspective, when all of this stuff was happening, whether it be SBA or Roe or the times that we had to close during COVID, the way that the community activated around making sure that we had what we needed to continue to serve folks is really good. So I'm so glad to hear that y'all had a similar experience and are still able to stay open due to the folks around you who know what you're doing and know how valuable your services are. I know you talked about this a little bit earlier, Gabby, um, mm-hmm. but what's something that y'all want folks to know or Texans, specifically Texans who are seeking care, what's something that you want them to know? Well, yeah, it kind of goes along with what I mentioned before, you know, that we're still here. Um, obviously, you know, things have changed, so we can't exactly help them the same way that we would be able to before, but, you know, we're still here to support them with resources. Um, you know, we have... Um, we can do ultrasounds, um, you know, follow-up care. Um, you know, I, I, I end up doing a lot of the ultrasounds at the clinic and we're still having a lot of patients that, you know, it's a very scary times um, to be in Texas right now. And, you know, a lot of the times I'll have patients are, well, I don't know if I should tell my, my doctor that any of this is happening. So, you know, we're still here. Um, you still have a community here that really cares about you and really cares that about you making the right choice for your life and not feeling, you know, the pressure of society, the pressure of, you know, people around you, pressure even of the state, right? That's telling you that, no, you can't make the decision that you want to. And yeah, something you mentioned earlier is um, 
the crisis, crisis pregnancy centers, you know, staying away from those because um, I do see quite a few patients that, you know, have fallen to those promises of like, you know, free ultrasounds and, you know, like they also like to advertise, you know, just like resources and support, but it's like, you know, obviously they have a hidden agenda, which we don't, you know, um, regardless of whether you're choosing to continue with the pregnancy or if you're you know, looking into terminating, we're here for you and we're going to give you the correct information. So just, you know, um, and also, well, I like to say, you know, I wanted to add earlier, thank you so much to Lilith, because mm-hmm. I feel like y'all have been such a, you know, integral part of, of us being able to provide services to patients right now, especially patients, because, you know, if you have all these um, CPCs that are offering uh, free pregnancy tests or free, sorry, free ultrasounds, you know, sometimes it's hard to compete with that where it's like, you know, we have always seen and continue to see a lot of patients from, you know, underserved communities, a lot of patients that are uninsured. And um, yeah, you know, I feel like a lot of them, the idea of having a free ultrasound where, you know, when, when you really don't know what to do, you might not have the funds for an ultrasound, um, then yeah, you're going to go to one of those places, but you know, then those places are going to harass you until you probably change your number or something. So I think Lilith has been great in allowing us to have that funding to be able to tell patients, well, you know, yes, you didn't, you don't have to pay over there, but you might not have to pay over here too. If you know, if you do this or, you know, or like if, if you call it that kind of stuff. So I think that's, um, it's been, it's been great. And, you know, thank you so much. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, patients to know that we're still here and, you know, and they can still come in to get their ultrasounds, um, their follow-up after um, if they decide to have an abortion, um, you know, just for a peace of mind and just making sure that everything's okay. And, um, you know, we also have a lot of resources, funding options available um, so that that also doesn't put a uh, burden on on their lives, I guess. Yeah, and I would always just second that there is funding available and almost every circumstance. So <clears throat> you could potentially have a free ultrasound at our clinic as well um, without having to have all these strings attached, like the crisis pregnancy centers reaching out to you a week or two later on your private number, asking if how the pregnancy is going and other weird, creepy things that they do sometimes. Um, and not to mention, like, what do they do with all your personal health information? Like they're not licensed facilities they don't really they're not really regulated by anyone um so it's really scary the idea of giving personal information to them not knowing what they're going to end up doing with any of that yeah absolutely we've also heard stories of folks who've been tricked into going to those places thinking that they were going to get the resources they need cpcs definitely know what people need because they that's what they use to advertise to bring people in but like you said gabby they have a hidden agenda and their support is conditional based on if you're going to do what you what they want you to do and that also women's health center that's not the case at all the support is unconditional and that's what i love and really appreciate about y'all is that you're willing to work with folks meet them where they're at and there's also something you mentioned about just providing resources. CPCs can tell folks that like, oh, you're this far along when that's not the case to thinking they can no longer get the abortion, but also resources to say, hey, you can have an abortion, you can get out of state, and these are safe places to go. It's like a continuation or a continuity in care that allows people go to go from one safe space to another safe space. And that's why we love referring folks to y'all when they don't know where to go so that they can get, it's like a one-stop shop of like, start here and then you can finish here as well because of the follow-up care and then 
beyond the follow-up care for other reproductive health care that you might need, such as an IUD or regular STI testing and treatment. So, so blessed to be able to do this work with you and serve Central Texas. Um, I would, go ahead. I would also say that I've noticed um, that you can usually tell a CPC from a regular clinic because if they say that they'll talk to you about your abortion options, they usually mention that they'll talk to you about the risks of abortion. And if they say risks of abortion, then you know that is not a legit place to go because no previous abortion clinic, current abortion clinic is going to talk about, we're going to discuss the risks of abortions with you on their website. Like it's just Mm -hmm. not standard. And on top of that, I've seen a lot of them say like abortion reversal, which is also not Mm -hmm. a thing that lie that they tell folks. And so they're all telling the same story again, because these are the things that they can use to prey on people's fears. And they do that to try and keep people from making decisions about their own bodies and futures. And so again, just want to highlight that y'all are here. Y'all are such essential figures within our community. And we're going to do whatever we can to start sending more and more people y'all's way, because Mm -hmm. not only is it um, pro-abortion care, but it's compassionate and client-centered. And that also really matters. You're going to have a good experience when you go there. You're going to feel seen and taken care of. And that's not something you get all the time. So it really is so special to have y'all talking with us today and for all the work that you're always doing, despite all these challenges. I know we talked about them um, some, like all the bands and things. And I'm just wondering, like, how are y'all feeling? What are some things that you've learned during this time? Um, well, I mean, I guess to take a glass half full approach, because it seemed very half empty for a long time. <laughs> um, you know, it's just been really amazing to see how, even though all of these obstacles are put up in the way of women to try to women and other people that can, you know, carry pregnancies, try to put that in their way um, to prevent them from being able to make their choices for their own livelihoods um, that people find a way to figure it out for themselves. And there's these amazing organizations that dedicate themselves to helping people figure that out. And it's really inspiring. So Today, that's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling inspired. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like for me, you know, it's been a, I don't know, too many emotions over the last year. Um, Yeah. Definitely went through a little existential crisis at some point. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think right now, more than anything, hopeful, um, you know, Mm. um, I think, you know, things are looking up. um, And yeah, like Julie said, you know, people will find a way. and it's great that there's, you know, great organizations, resources, uh, funds out there available. Um, and I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, we take it one day at a time. So there are some days where, yeah, everything just seems gray and, you know, um, but I think overall there's, there's a lot of hope. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that makes sense for lots of people working in repro, especially in Texas, one day at a time, but trying to stay grounded in hope because of the resiliency of the people that we serve. That's key. And knowing that like, they're fighting. So we're going to keep fighting because they deserve this and nothing less. So thank you both for sharing. Um, I'm hoping you can talk to us about like how you care for yourself when you're not doing this work. We know that it's difficult and challenging, especially in a state like Texas, where anti-abortion extremists are just like 
trying whatever they can to keep people from accessing care. So how do you navigate like working in this type of landscape by using self-care? Uh, for me, I would say, oh, sorry, Julie. <laughs> yeah, go, go for it. Yeah, I think for me, you know, uh, well, for a while, I, I did have to do therapy because I was like, well, obviously, you know, you always have to deal with it. Yes, so, yes. But I think, you know, I think because of like how I was feeling like, you know, like I felt like I had no purpose. <laughs> I did have to do that for a while. But I think a lot of it is just, um, you know, one setting a little bit of a boundary, you know, like um, I think on one side, yes, we have this big fight that we're doing. But also, you know, just kind of saving a safe space for your for, for you at home, um, you know, I, I try not to like, you know, feel or try to put all the anxiety at rest when I'm at home and just, you know, kind of try to, you know, make a little safe space for, for myself at home, you know, with my doggies. I have two doggies, so, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, just spending time outdoors and just, you know, yeah, kind of trying to just put those anxious thoughts to the side and, you know, just setting boundaries with between work and like, you know, a safe space that, that I made for myself. Mm, I love that. Yeah. For me, I would say that the last like 10 years I've been working on a garden at my house. And mm -hmm. so I felt like that has really been <clears throat> healing, just being out in nature, getting my hands in the dirt, like, mm -hmm watching the cycle of life in my garden, especially with Texas extreme shifts in weather. There's been like yeah. moments where I'm like, everything is dead. Nothing's <laughs> coming back. And then it all just magically comes back. And so, um, you know, that's kind of how I see this time mm -hmm. period. Too. Like everything is really dark and dreary right now, but like surely we're going to get back to some good place yeah. um, at some point. Like it's just got to happen. That's the cycle of things. So trying to be hopeful. That's beautiful. Thank you all so much for sharing a little bit about the ways that you care for yourself. We always ask that question because we know that y'all are doing hard work and the toll that it can take, especially for those who are dealing with clients. And then you have the interjection of other people's emotions. And so having a clear boundary between like, I'm not going to take this stuff home easier said than done, but it's also really important. And I love the way that nature comes into y'all self-care, whether it be animals or gardens, <laughs> that's really lovely. And um, I don't have space for a garden and my dog would also ruin a garden, but so I'm really jealous, but <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Well, I just wanna thank you again so much for your time today. Really excited to share, to share y'all's work with folks. And I'm wondering if you could talk to us about um, how folks can stay connected to the work that you all are doing. Yeah, so we have, um, we're on social media. <clears throat> and so we're gonna be trying to post regular updates on um, the clients that we're able to serve, especially now that we've gotten funding from the community. Um, and then, yeah, just come schedule an appointment come see us check in <laughs> we're so we're so happy to see new new patients and new new faces in our office and yeah. we have a wonderful crew and everybody is very friendly you're not going to be made to feel bad like you can sometimes in other types of offices you know we're we like to build you know strong relationships with our patients yeah. So there's something you said earlier about like, you know, just they, I feel like they get the whole, the whole shebang with us. Cause you know, it's right. like, <laughs> for a dating ultrasound, it's, 
it's, I, I don't know. It's um, satisfactory to see patients that come in for, you know, maybe a, an abortion follow-up and then I see them again for their annual exam and it's just like, oh, hey, like, you know, um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I like the environment that we have at our clinic because it's, you know, we're a smaller office. So I feel like sometimes that's nice. Uh, a lot of the times, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of just kind of get lost when it's a big practice. And at least, you know, that that is also some of the feedback we get where patients are like, oh, you know, I like that. This feels a little more like personal and, you know, especially well, now that we our staff is a little less. Um, mm -hmm. And also, you know, it, it's kind of nice um, to see patients, you know, go from one end to the other um, in the services that they get with us. So, yeah, we love to see that. That made me smile when you were like, oh, like, they come back for other things as well. Yeah. And like, you're just like, you're like, oh, I remember you and you're building relationships and that is really mm -hmm. key. Um, yeah. and so I know you said that folks could follow you on social media. They can also find you at woman, awesomewomenshealth.com. And there's information there about like numbers they can call to make up appointments, more information on the services y'all are offering and just stay up to date on all that you're doing because it's so, so much. Like even when you just open the, the, your like first page, there's a whole list that comes with you and <laughs> like all the things that you're, you, you can do there. And so that's really great. Um, not exhaustive either like there's yeah there's more, so much more. <laughs> amazing and um the link to your gofundme is also on your web page is that right yes i believe it's um on the blog page okay perfect it definitely is I just checked okay awesome well thank you all so much for your time today for all the work that you do and for how you show up for Texans um you make such a huge difference in the lives of so many and you do it with such, I said compassion earlier, but that's just the accurate word with compassion. And um, that's so needed, especially in the climate that we find ourselves in. So, so grateful for you. Thank you so much for your time today and looking forward to ways that we can continue partnering and sending more vouchers your way. Yes, thank you so <laughs> much. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate y'all. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, Erica. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Not much, but also so, so much because today we are getting to talk to one of our like tightest partners. <laughs> it's Houston Women's Reproductive Services, which is a clinic in um, Houston, Texas that serves a lot of our like patients and helps get people the information they need to access abortion out of state. And so we have three members of their team here that I'm so excited to chat about. Um, and yeah, I just want to say Houston Women has had decades of providing respectable, compassionate abortion care over the decades. And we witnessed, and they witnessed and lived through Texas eroding abortion access and ultimately becoming the hostile state it is today for abortion. So really delighted that we get to uplift all of their amazing work and um, talk to the team. So I know that we have Kathy with us. Kathy has over 30 years of abortion care experience. She began as a counselor slash health educator and quickly expanded her skills to include clinical support, program development, marketing, and administration. And she opened the Houston Women's Reproductive Services in 2019 to provide more options for people seeking abortion services. The clinic was the first new clinic to open in the state in more than 15 years. And then in June 2020, after the Supreme Court and, and the Dobbs decision overturned Roe v. Wade, Abortion was immediately illegal in the state of Texas, and the clinic challenged the old pre-Roe zombie laws, Civil War laws that we refer to them as, and um, was able to resume providing abortion services for four more days after those laws went into effect. So unfortunately, the law was allowed to go into effect after those four days, and the clinic was 
forced to stop providing abortions, but they're still here and providing care. So thank you so much, Kathy, for joining us. Thank you. It's good to good to chat with with our allies and friends. And we're also joined by Margie, uh, who has over 25 years of experience in administrative and counseling support services, as well as Glenda, who also has 25 years experiencing uh, experience providing clinical support, counseling, and ultrasounds. Hi, Margie. Hey, Glenda. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing um, just like these decades of experience and knowledge and just joining us today on the, on the podcast. So super excited to talk to folks who are literally on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like Erica said, I'm so excited to get to talk to you and share your work with everybody. But for those who aren't familiar with Houston Women's Reproductive, can you tell us more about the story of how the clinic was, was started, the work you do now, all of that good stuff? Sure. Um we opened the clinic in uh, 2019, which was really one of the first uh, new clinics to be established in Texas um, in more than 15 years. Uh, we went through as a result of HB2 back in 2013 and 14, uh, we witnessed more than half of the clinics in Texas had closed due to those regulations known as trap laws, which are targeted regulations against abortion providers. Um, those That particular bill that was passed uh, required clinics to be surgical centers. Um, that part of the law was struck down, but it also uh, the other part of that bill that was, or law that was upheld, required physicians to have privileges at a local hospital within a certain radius from the clinic. A lot of the providers throughout the state of Texas had privileges, but maybe not within the 15 or 20 miles. So consequently, we lost more than half of the clinics in the entire state. So what that meant for the landscape of Texas is the remaining clinics were overwhelmed with patients. And it severely limited access um, for anyone traveling outside of the major metropolitan areas. Um, And it was disastrous. And the whole country watched that happen. So once that was finally struck down um, in the whole Women's Health versus Hellerstadt decision, when that was passed down, um, then we started to see the volume was still there in those existing clinics, and we decided that it was time for something different in the Houston area. Um, Houston's the fourth largest city in America. It's a little hard to imagine that there were really only about four clinics providing care in the fourth largest city in America. Um, so that just caused us to really explore that opportunity and try to meet the needs uh, that really weren't being met. Um, We felt strongly that pregnant people deserved more options than sitting in crowded waiting rooms, you know, and waiting for four to six hours to be seen. Um, We felt strongly that people deserved more dignified, respectful care where they would be seen within an hour visit in a private type of an environment, but at the same price as the the busier clinics. 
And so in 2019, we opened our clinic and uh, was quite successful and, and word of mouth and traveled quickly. And um, patients were grateful for the privacy that they received. They didn't have to walk through the gauntlet of protesters. And they were met with a team that had decades and decades of experience. And we'd all worked in those other clinics, which provide great care, but we just wanted to provide different type of care. And that's what we were able to accomplish. And we were very happy and proud to do that. Um, But when the Dobbs decision came down at the end of June in 2022, we had to make decisions about pivoting our care. Um, Again, we all knew that you know, Houston is the fourth largest city in America. We knew that over 3,000 abortions were being done every month in Houston. And we knew that people are going to need an ultrasound to know how far pregnant they are before they travel, before they decide about which type of abortion they qualify for. We also, with all our years of experience, we also knew how many times people would come in thinking they were five weeks pregnant and they were 12 weeks pregnant, or they thought they were 12 weeks pregnant and they weren't pregnant or ectopic pregnancies were detected, all kinds of things. So we knew the importance of staying open. We refused to abandon pregnant Texans just because the state turned its back. Um, We knew that it was going to be important and a very essential, essential part of healthcare to be able to provide ultrasounds, uh, both pre-abortion as well as post-abortion. And we knew that that these women would need moral support and good information because there was a lot, still is, a lot of misinformation out there. And they're terrified um, of the legality of trying to obtain services. So we knew we would be integral in helping in that way as well. One of our wow. biggest one of our biggest fears was the anti-abortion centers, which you know, for all these years, we we know how they try to lure people in, and the shame and misinformation and inaccurate ultrasound examinations. We've all seen those. I mean, we've had patients bring in ultrasound reports that were grossly inaccurate and misleading. So, in an effort to cause people to not seek abortion because they thought they were too far, told them that they weren't as far. So people thought they had more time to work with all types of deceptive, uh, really quite unethical practices that we've seen. And, you know, so one of our biggest fears was, okay, if we go away, you know, we're the abortion experts, if you will, you know, if we go away, people are going to be completely vulnerable to these anti-abortion quote unquote crisis pregnancy centers and even more traumatized. And, and we've seen that and we've seen it and we've seen that happen. Absolutely. Um, I just, I am very much like touched by the way that y'all saw the need in your community and decided to fill that gap because you knew that like, as you said, people deserve care with dignity and people deserve to like have, you know, access to, to, a secure and like space where that like had um good information and I feel like that's just really 
crucial, pivotal that like the way the Texans show up for each other like that. Um, living through the Dobbs decision, can you can you share a little bit more about why or how you decided to stay open after that decision? We knew there was a need. Okay, because of our experience, we knew it was essential and important for us to remain here and be available to provide compassionate, accurate information to help dispel anxiety, fear, misinformation about the change in the laws. We we knew how essential it was going to be. And medically, we knew it was essential for us to be here for the pre and post ultrasound uh, uh, abortion ultrasounds, but we, we didn't know that pregnant people would understand that need. And, and that was the big risk for us. Um, again, because we knew we saw people who had ectopic pregnancies, who weren't pregnant, were further along. We knew all the possible consequences of that, but you know, when, when someone's in crises, any obstacle, any delay in resolution of that crisis, you know, is, is problematic. And it was a challenge and still is to this very day for us to convey to people why it's important to come in first before they make their plans, whether it involves travel or whatever plans they have to seek abortion services we spend hours um, on the phone, in person, but especially on the phone, trying to convey and explain why it's important to have this ultrasound before moving forward with plants. Um, and we're dispelling all the fear and anxiety. I mean, it is on steroids right now, the, the level of anxiety and confusion about the laws. Because women are so afraid. They don't, they're so worried about what the consequences will be is, you know, is this legal? Who are you? They wonder who we are, you know, unless they're former patients, which we see quite a few They're They don't know. Are, are we, you know, are we another anti-abortion, you know, place? So we have to dispel a lot of unease on their part. Um, I was going to say also another reason I think the three of us are here and many of us are here is because we felt helpless. We wanted to be able to do something to continue to allow women to uh, exercise their rights to their bodies. You know, it was devastating for all of us. As Margie was just saying, you know, um, callers, that's, you know, of course, on the phone is where the highest level of anxiety is. But we've, we talk regularly as a team. There's only three of us here. So we're really able to do that. We're, and easily uh, to talk about how to address some of these things, what we're hearing on the phone, what, what can we do to make it more comfortable? How can we put people at ease quicker on those phone conversations? And and we come up with plans. I mean, and one of the one of the first things we talked about was as early on in the phone conversation as possible to say we we are formal former abortion providers. We have provided abortion care for many many years until we could no longer legally do so. 
so that that way they know right up front they're not dealing with a anti-abortion facility. Um, but then we we have also you know the anxiety where the callers will say, "Well, I think I've had a miscarriage," and we just we we let it go with that. We're like, "Okay, well, you know, we can evaluate you here with an ultrasound." Once they come into the office and they're greeted by us, and they see in our lobby, well, our little small, quaint little waiting room. There's a sign that we put out there that says, yes, it is safe and legal to talk about abortion. Because we wanted them to know once they got here, they could be forthcoming with whatever they wanted to reveal and disclose to us, that they were not going to be judged, that there were not going to be any legal ramifications for them. And even still, you know, Glenda, a once she sees the patient and does the ultrasound, then more information comes out. Sometimes they'll hold hold true to I've had a miscarriage and that and they'll stick to that all the way up until they get in the room and have the ultrasound exam with Glenda. And then suddenly they may reveal, well, actually I did a medication abortion. And at that point, yeah. And then, you know, the, the problem is that a lot of people do not understand the law. And they and although we tell them we were a prior abortion clinic, they still come and they're afraid to tell us that they had an abortion because they think they're going to be prosecuted. They think they're going to get in trouble. They think it's illegal for them to leave the state to have an abortion. So they'll come in for a follow up and. I've never seen so many mis. I tell Margie, I've never seen so many miscarriages <laughs> in my life. <laughs> in the past year, we've had so many, but you know, people just don't understand the law. They leave the state. They go by themselves. They don't want to take anybody else with them because they think they're going to get in trouble. So it's terrible. Wow. Yeah. I have so many feelings. Thank you all for sharing. I feel like I feel deep sadness for the folks that you serve and the fear that they're experiencing. And you touched so much on the predatory nature of crisis pregnancy centers or anti-abortion clinics and how they lie to people and try and keep them from making decisions about their own health. And knowing that those things exist and are getting a lot of money from our state, you made a really brave choice, especially in 2019 and then the years that we've had since then, all this chaos to stay open such a courageous and compassionate act and I know that like we feel so good about telling people to go to your clinic and that they'll be well taken care of and they'll have good information and resources and like you can these are people that you can trust and so it's so good to be in partnership with you all and um, hear both about the difficulties that um, folks are hearing that causes a lot of emotions, but on the other end of it, to be able to celebrate the ways that you're still able to care for folks is also really like a sweet touch to all of that. So thank you so much for sharing and for all the work that you're doing. Well, I need to also say, I mean, we really couldn't do it without the partnership with Lilith and that has changed everything for us because going into this, like we really we understood the need and the importance of us remaining available to provide this essential care, but we really did not know if patients would recognize that need and be able to afford that care. And 
having a partner like Lilith made it a reality. And um, we are eternally grateful. Um, mm -hmm. Our callers, our patients are so grateful to Lilith. And um, it, you know, it made it a reality. I mean, you know, we had to really, like Margie said, we've all done this for so many years. And when the Dobbs decision came down as much as we knew intellectually, it, it's just absolutely devastated us. And none of us wanted to discontinue. This is our life's work. This mm -hmm. is our life's passion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the thought of not doing this anymore was more than we could handle. Mm -hmm. And so we decided and, you know, grateful to this team that they were willing to take a gamble <laughs> with me and, you know, and be able to do this where, you know, we see patients three and a half days a week. So we went from full-time down to just three and a half days a week. You know, we decided to, we left our location. We had 5,000 square feet of a beautiful brand new facility. Um, and we had to leave that. And now we're in 800 square feet. <laughs> And wow. it's very cozy, but, but it's <laughs> lovely. We yeah, love I'm sure. It was funny is, I mean, even like some of our former patients, the, the building's similar, it's very quiet and discreet. And so there's a lot of the same elements of the other locations, so only four <laughs> or five miles from there, but, but it, it is you know, <laughs> noticeably smaller, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but the patients even say, oh, it's still, it's so warm here. You know, I mean, we have, you know, relaxing spa-like music. Patients always said to us that they felt like they were walking into a spa. We always yeah. have aromatherapy, <laughs> you know, just to make it calm and relaxing and just to help reduce some of the stress. And that's all the more important now. We occasionally uh, catch some patients taking a nap out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's after chasing eight kids and, you know, working three jobs, mm -hmm. this is a little respite for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had clients tell me on the phone, like, the vibe is so good. <laughs> and that's what we want to hear. Like, you can have an, the space and environment matters. And I know that the energy that y'all put forth, the passion that you have for this work definitely adds to that. So I would love to hear more about what this like past year especially has looked like and felt like for you while doing this work? Um, we've learned a lot. Um, and I would say that, that for me, one of the, one of the most difficult things, um, I, I feel like we've done a lot about helping these women get abortions and that feels great. What feels really not good is how many women I experience calling looking for prenatal care and they can't get that either. So it's, it's so disturbing to me to live in a state that says, no, you can't have an abortion. And I, I guess they haven't figured out that there's only one other alternative to that, which is giving birth to a, to a, a baby and that care is not out there. It's difficult for people to find it. Even people with insurance are calling and saying, yeah, well, my doctor won't see me for three months. Um, it's appalling the way we treat women and children in this state. And that's 
unfortunately, one of the things that I've experienced too much. And my last year here has been really great. Um, I see the need of patients that are needing abortion services. They're really grateful that we're able to send them to other locations and that there's funding available. Thank you to Lilith Fund that's able to pay for their ultrasound visits. They're so grateful for you guys. Um, and like Marky said, it's hard to get prenatal care out there. Um, patients are not getting in until they're 10 weeks into their pregnancies. So that's not fair for patients that want to have a baby. It's not, patient, it's not fair for patients that want to have an abortion and have no choice but have right. children. And I really feel sorry for the immigrants. They are the ones that are desperately needing help. And I don't know how, because they can't get out. I hear from them two months later thinking that they're coming in for a follow-up ultrasound and they're still struggling on trying to get out of state to have an abortion. That and breaks that, my heart. It does break my heart. And our goal and our mission is to always meet the person where they are. And, you know, if someone has the means or the wherewithal or the ability to travel, great. You know, a lot don't. Um, you know, we just, we work with them on whatever level they're at and whatever their resources, whatever their comfort level is as far as how, where, and when they're going to access abortion care. So we just are really grateful that we have such amazing partners in care, not only in this, our little humble little 800 square foot <laughs> clinic, but with Lilith, with clinics all over um, the network, we have really grown and it has been developed over the last year so that now other providers even understand and recognize the importance of follow-up care with us. And we're able to coordinate with them when their um, patients are needing follow-up care or need, a, need an ultrasound before they travel. Um, or if there are any issues or concerns at that follow-up, we're able to coordinate that with these providers and they call us you know, daily, we're in communication anytime pertaining to any of their patients and any issues that might be coming up. And it's, it's really grown. Um, and we're grateful for all of the amazing partners that are still in this fight because it is even more challenging. You know, we, with these decades of experience, you know, um, in Texas, we, we saw the erosion of abortion access. We lived through HB2, where half, more than half the clinics closed. We lived through the COVID crisis. We lived through uh, where we were forced to sh be shut down for a month. Um, we now have survived uh, SB8, which was the cardiac ban. So basically, um, eliminating all abortions after any embryonic cardiac activity, which is approximately around six weeks. We had that for almost a full year. And then ultimately the Dobbs decision. So, you know, we lived through all of that and it just made us more resilient and determined. 
And we can say that for our patients too. Yes. Um, although the anxiety and fear level is off the chart. Um, but we know, and we've known since the beginning of time, if a woman wants an abortion, she's most likely going to figure out a way to get one. Absolutely. Exactly what Kathy and Glenda have said, and that is, you know, we've learned to be resilient. We've learned to uh, believe in what we're doing even more. And we've learned that there's a lot of people out there, thankfully, Lilith, uh, who are willing to support us in what we're doing. And so we're just really grateful to still be here helping women uh, attain abortion services. Y'all are doing, I feel like these, all of these bills and things that you just mentioned that you've had to be resilient against have done, you've done such a good job of, you've done it, such a good job of protecting the increased vulnerability that these laws have put on people. And you've highlighted the fear and anxiety that folks are feeling because of these restrictions. I really appreciate you talking about the additional barriers that undocumented folks face. And I wanted to highlight for folks who maybe don't know that, like, if you are getting an abortion when you're six weeks, that's going to be a lot less expensive than it is if you are 12 weeks and have to travel out of state. And so I know for, we have a lot of the same patients. And so the folks who are calling us are often underinsured, have families to take care of, maybe not working for pay or getting a living wage. And so that just creates more obstacles to prevent people through. And then having to feel like you can't reach out to anybody for support or even talk about what your options are and knowing that you're going to be met without judgment. It's so necessary for you all to be here. And I'm sad that it's been, there's been so many difficulties, but I'm so grateful for we always say this for the resilience that um, you've shown and the flexibilities and the ways that you are meeting people where they're at. I love the just thinking through and the way that you guys meet often, it sounds like to talk about how you can make this a more comfortable experience for folks and the the sign that you have that like, it's okay to talk about abortion here, right? When folks walk in, like that is so needed because if you feel like you're being silenced and you can't ask questions and you can't advocate for yourself and you're really making it possible for people to advocate for themselves and get the care that they want. So I, I'm hoping that more folks know about you and that this episode can help uh, folks get connected to you. But what are some things that you would want Texan seeking care to know? That we're here um, and that they have rights. And that, you know, I often say to patients, women are uh, uh, um, accessing abortion care every single day in the state. Um, I wish I could tell them that they could get health care otherwise as well. Um, You know, that's a systemic thing, you know, throughout the the United States. But yeah, just that, that they have their rights and that they also need to advocate for themselves and for others um, going forward. Obviously, um, the, you know, the landscape is pretty dour. <clears throat> we still have to keep fighting and moving forward and finding ways to get our rights back. Just hearing like all of the obstacles you've had to face just from like 2019 alone the multiple abortion bans we've had. Um, what in y'all's like vision 
do you hope that the future of abortion access looks like? Well, of course. <laughs> Let's step into fantasy world here. <laughs> I mean, I think it's important to have those goals and those abortion. fantasies. And that would abortion be abortion on demand. Abortion on oh, demand and free. All the time. Period. All the time. It would be like the Walgreens. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes. I mean, no questions asked. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. people could walk to it. <laughs> that would be, that would be the dream. <laughs> yes. I joke about, um, I'm half joking, but I joke about like, I wish there was vending machines for oh, people yeah. just mm-hmm. like available and, and accessible. Um, so Yes. Yeah, I feel like we all know what we like, what people need, and I feel like visioning that, putting yes. it out there, is just important because <laughs> it's well, awesome. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I, I, um, I lived in Chicago. I, none of us, I, I guess we should say, <laughs> yeah. none of us are Texans. Not, <laughs> I'm from Michigan. Um, lived in Chicago, and go ahead, Margie. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Jersey girl. Jersey girl. Oh, okay. And I'm Glenda, a New Yorker. A New Yorker. So, I love it. you know, we're all from abortion friendly states, but um, at any rate, I, a friend of mine up in Chicago sent me a picture. Her son plays in a band and was out in a club and behind the bar, they had a big sign that said, I will aid in a bet for an abortion. And then they mm-hmm. had a big plan C. We have pills available if you need them. <laughs> Why don't I live in Chicago again? <laughs> But, you know, if everybody left Texas, what well, you know. Whatever. Yeah. So, but yeah, that would be, that's, that's up there with my fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yep. Vending machine in a bar, you know, on every corner. Because really, I mean, and, and we saw that, you know, when we had the closure during COVID, uh, we had, um, we had a waiting room full of people when the state said, and we challenged it. We, our lawyers have challenged every law and regulation that Texas has thrown at us, but um, we challenged it. But then, you know, it was our, we got a temporary injunction and then the state overruled it like minutes before we started seeing patients. Right. And these patients were coming in for their medications. They had already done the 24 hour mandatory waiting period and so they were coming back to get their medication when we found out from our lawyers that, nope, we can't, nope, nope, state's shutting us down because of COVID. And um, these patients were like, well, what am I going to do? And at that point, we put our hands on a wonderful article that was uh, public information in Ms. Magazine. And this was back in 2020. And it was a great magazine article that talked about getting medication abortion online. And, you know, it's like there we were with 20 women waiting to get their abortion pills from us and we had to turn them away. But we handed that article out left and right and said, you know, this is public information. Here it is. You know, you can access this information yourself but hey look we just happen to have a copy of the article right here and how convenient i love it <laughs> that really you know 
Yeah, the dissemination of information that happens at your clinic is so, so important because I feel like a lot of people feel fear and anxiety because they don't have the info they need to be able to make choices and feel like secure about them. And so that feels like really, really important work that you continue to do in ways that you find like creativity to still have to work with all of these like restrictions on what you can do. You still find ways to comply with the law, obviously, but make sure people are getting served and have the information they need to make decisions for themselves and that is like also all the things you mentioned just feels like so much trauma and like a lot of hardship to have to go through and it's also like at the end of the day it's a job it's a passion but I just want to know more about how do you you pour so much into your patients and your partners but I want to hear more about how you all take care of yourself while you're doing this work that's really important we 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 Go ahead, Glenda. Go ahead, Glenda. <laughs> we, <drink>. <laughs> <laughs> we have happy hours. <laughs> we, have, we have very dark humor and laugh an awful lot. Uh, and we've become master puzzlers. Mm. We actually we actually puzzle in some of our downtime. I, I don't that. actually puzzle. I actually separate pieces and hand them to my co <laughs> Puzzle. Um, but... but but we're teamwork there as well. No, we, we, we find, we find something to laugh about all the time. It's, it's important. Again, we're grateful that we're still here. And, and, and many thanks to you all for doing that. I, I wanted to add my portion to that. And that is, you know, I, I said on the phone, it, it's often hard to get women to trust us enough to even come in. Um, and I will tell you that it goes a long way to say there is a funding source that will pay for this ultrasound for you. Yeah. I'm so, so grateful for y'all. Like uh, we serve a lot of like your patients. And so we get to talk to the same folks very often and kind of see them before, and then they get funding and they go out of state and then they come back. And so the second time we talk to them, the, kind of change in their tone, the relief that they're feeling to know that like, okay, I've gotten my care and now I get the opportunity to make sure that everything is right. Like those follow-up appointments, you could just hear a shift in how stressed people are before and then what happens afterwards. And I know that's due to the work that you all do and the time that you spend with people and comforting them and providing them with such, such compassionate care. So I'm also really happy to hear about the ways that you're cultivating joy. We love a good happy hour <laughs> and, um, a good puzzle to go along with it. So thank you for sharing that with us. I I love the way that y'all keep the spirits up and the joy up and also just take care of yourself. Like that is so real and necessary. Um and I'm sure that also the people that you see can feel it too. Um I so like in this conversation, this is the first time I've talked to any of y'all at my role at Lilithon is different than Shay's and that like I don't work on the hotline. Um, and so like, this is my first time learning a lot about like your clinic specifically and, and also I'm sure for our listeners. So I want to ask for me and our listeners, how can folks stay connected to you all and learn more about the work that you do and get involved and support you? Well, um, we have a website, it's Houston Women's Reproductive Services. Um, they can find us on Instagram as well as Facebook. Just call and talk to us. And call and talk to us, yeah. Can people make donations to the clinic? 
they can make donations to you and then you can make donations. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's usually what, what yeah. we recommend yeah. when people ask, they like, we send them back to you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Like I said, we could not do this without, without you and the support and it's made a world of difference yes. for many, many people. I'm truly like just so happy to be able to help. Um, as we talked about earlier, there would be a lot of vacancies in care and compassionate care for folks if you weren't here. So um, I hope that people, if anything, that if there's anything people get take from this episode, I hope it's that they understand the importance of clinics and pro-abortion spaces for folks, even in places where it might seem difficult or not like accessible. Um like you said, you're still here and you're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. Um, yeah. Thank you so, so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Alrighty. Well, that is our time with Houston Women's Reproductive Services. But like they mentioned, they have a website. You can follow them and stay connected to all of the amazing work that they're doing. But thank you, everybody. And until next time, stay lit and keep doing gay abortion shit. Music. <laughs>